So we discover in the Ten Commandments that there are two tablets, the first table and the second table. The first table of the law deals with man's relationship with God. And the simplified version of the first table of the law, do not worship any other God, do not make any idols, do not misuse God's name, and keep the Sabbath day holy. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So we come to chapter 20, and I titled this Drawing Near. I chose a lot of good verses in chapter 20 to pick through. But to choose one that kind of sums things up, it was verse 20 for me. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So here in chapter 20, we have the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, as found in verses 1 through 17. And then we find that the people, they kind of take a back step in verses 18 through 21. They take a back step in the sense of all that you command, we will do. They had drawn near to the Lord there at that holy mountain. And then in verses 18 through 21, we'll discover they'll tell Moses, you speak for us. You go to God, come back, tell us we like this thing. You go up the mountain, come back down, talk to us. We'll obey you. Then go talk to God again and and kind of keep us out of that personal relationship with God because of their fear, and yet the Lord desired for the people to draw near. And that's why I titled this Drawing Near. It's what he desires for us as well. And sometimes we get in the same mentality that the children of Israel get into in this chapter where they're at such awe of God that they actually back away from the Lord instead of drawing near. And when they back away from the Lord... When we back away from the Lord, we tend to get in trouble. So let's go ahead and look at the Ten Commandments, verses 1 through 17. Up to this time, as I would mentioned, Israel's relationship was based on the Abrahamic covenant that God had made with Abraham a little over 600 years earlier. And we find that covenant in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, also in Genesis 15, 18 through 21. But even after 600 years, Israel had no written laws that defined them as a nation. 
And thus the law identified Israel as a people who were set apart in a covenant relationship with God. They had a group of people. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. We don't know how many years they were actually slaves in Egypt. But they may have had their elders, their rulers. But they had no set covenant that would guide the people and their faith in God. So we discover in the Ten Commandments that there are two tablets, the first table and the second table. And the tablets are not equal as far as Ten Commandments, five on one, five on the other, in the sense that the first table of the law deals with man's relationship with God. It's found in Exodus 20, verses 2 through 11. And the simplified version, we're going to look at this in a moment in a little more detail, but the simplified version of the first table of the law, do not worship any other God, do not make any idols, do not misuse God's name, and keep the Sabbath day holy. The second table of the law deals with man's relationship with mankind, or humanity's relationship with one another, and it covers six of the laws the simplified list goes like this. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. So the first commandment, verses 1 through 3. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So the Lord had brought them out of the house of bondage, a land where there were many gods. And even today, if you search the gods of Egypt, you'll find numerous gods, a plurality of gods that were worshipped, some of which may have been attracting to them. We don't know. Yet of all these gods, they were false gods whose names should have been forgotten by the children of Israel as he calls them to worship the one true God. And you look at the Egyptian gods today, and you find these strange-looking creatures. We went through some of these when we went through the plagues of Egypt, but, you know, they have gods with a, a man or a woman's body, and maybe they have a, a head of a frog or a head of a cow or an oxen, just strange creatures. That which the Bible kind of describes in Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throats. Those who make them are like them, and so is everyone who trusts them. So the worshipers of these false gods became just like the inanimate gods that they served. And God desired his followers to put him first above all others, that they might be identified as his. Jesus used a play of this. It's actually comes from a different portion in Deuteronomy, Jesus' response. But there at the temptation, 
there in the wilderness when Satan came to him with three great temptations. And Jesus, on one of those temptations, responded, Away with you, Satan, Matthew 4.10, For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. God said, You shall have no other God before me. Commandment number one. Commandment number two, verses four through six, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, on the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So a common similarity of idols is that they are all crafted to either look like a man, a woman, a beast, or some distortion of these. And here the Lord gives warning to the people that they are not to worship such idols, they are not to make such idols, telling them that it would actually destroy their lives. He said, through the making of carved images, that he is a jealous God, that he would visit the iniquities of the fathers upon their children to the third and fourth generation. And that speaks about, well, at least the person who falls into idolatry and worship their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, that when we walk away from the Lord, we not only destroy our own lives, but we destroy the lives of those whom we love, our children and our grandchildren, or we can bring that destruction upon them. Sometimes people walk away solely without impacting the remainder of the family, but quite often, when one person within the family walks away from the Lord, many within that family will follow. When we were in Hawaii for my son's wedding, and Kevin, Melissa, and the kids came over, and some of the kids, Josiah was in mama's belly at that time, he does not remember that trip. Neither does Caleb, because he was itty-bitty. But we rented a house on a a chocolate plantation. And it, it wasn't a huge plantation, but they did grow the coca plant there and, and many other fruits and stuff that was on the, the grounds there. And we rented the main house for that week and uh, gave the upstairs. And it, technically, it didn't have a basement. It was just on a, a hill, so it kind of was like a basement. Um, Lily and I stayed downstairs and the kids had the upstairs. But the point of this is that the great-grandson who owned the house, he was a great-grandson of a missionary who first came to Hawaii and brought the word of God to the people. And he was far, far from a missionary's kid in the sense that you would have never known that he, all he had to do is look at the artwork that he hung on the walls in that house, and you knew he was not a follower of Christ. But he came from good 
stock in the sense having uh, missionaries as a great-grandfather, a great-grandmother, or even a great-great, I'm not sure what that was, but he was a far cry from that which first brought his family to that island. And so when we walk away from the Lord, maybe it wasn't the missionary or the missionary son, but maybe it was the grandson who walked away and then his son, not even knowing the Lord, not even following in the ways of the Lord, it tends to have an impact upon the third and fourth generation. But to those who love the Lord, the Lord promises mercy to those who love him and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24 says, Take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now Deuteronomy for Moses is talking to the next generation. In Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24, he's talking to the children of the parents who right now stood before the mountain of God. But he reminds them the very same thing. Take heed to yourself. In each generation, we have to take heed to our own lives, not what our parents did, not what our grandparents did, but what are we doing in our walk with the Lord? The Lord desired to show mercy on those who love him and keep his commandments. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So a warning not to make a carved image. The third commandment, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And taking the Lord God's name in vain is probably not referencing what we would term as cussing today. To my understanding, in Israel today, if they want to cuss, they have to borrow words from other languages because the Hebrew language doesn't have cuss words that they can use. It's God's name being diminished or discredited either by swearing an oath that you will not keep or using it. Today we use, you know, we shouldn't, but there are people who use God's name in vain, the name of the Lord Jesus in vain. Jesus commented on this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 33 through 37, saying again, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. So that is kind of the heart of this. Don't use the Lord's name in vain, but that which you speak when you call the name of the Lord into that conversation, then you should perform. Jesus actually counseled us on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5, 37, saying, let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than that is from the evil one. So using the name of the Lord, sometimes people use God's name to better their position. They think maybe using a cross or a fish on their business card will help them increase sales or customer trust. Last year, I got an email from someone who does seal coating 
And in the email, he introduced himself, immediately told me he was a Christian and what church he went to and who his pastor was. And then he said, I noticed that your parking lot has cracks in it and it needs to be sealed and then seal coated. Then I knew that he had not been to our parking lot because we have a new parking lot. And there might be a few cracks in there now because of the winter. It is not in bad shape. And we will have it sealed this year. But last year was not the year for that. But just the way he wrote it, it's like you just sent this out without even inspecting our parking lot. Because if you had, you could have written the things that you said in that email. That's an example of using the name of the Lord in vain. You're trying to get business. And, you know, probably 99% of the time when you talk to any church or business person and say, hey, I noticed that your asphalt parking lot has cracks in it. 99% of the time, you'd probably be right. It's kind of like me trying to have ESP and say that I'm going to think real hard and I'm going to bend someone's key that's in their pocket or purse right now. And you go to look at your keys and say, oh, I have a bent key. Well, so do I. Because every time we put in and pull out, we eventually bend those things, sometimes break them. The odds are in our favor. We're not to use the Lord's name in vain. Christians should not cuss. They should not use God's name or the name of Jesus for selfish purposes. Rather, we are to bring glory to the name of God and to the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The fourth commandment, 8 through 11. Get a little more detail on this one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day, it is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea that, and all that is in them rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. The first time the Sabbath was used, the word Sabbath, we discovered it in Exodus 16, 22 through 26, when God was giving instruction for the manna, how they were to daily go out and get manna, but on the sixth day, collect enough for two days because the seventh day would be a Sabbath unto the Lord. Now God codifies the Sabbath into the law. If you go to Israel today, they take this very seriously. Some of the towns will have telephone poles surrounding the towns with a wire strung around the telephone poles. And all that pole does is represent a Sabbath day walk. That you would know if you walk beyond the pole, you have broken the Sabbath. But if you stay within the perimeter, everything's good. Or if you're in the hotel, they have one elevator that's dedicated as a Sabbath elevator. It runs all day long. Every floor, don't get on that elevator if you're from America because you're going to stop at every single floor because in their mind, you're doing work when you push the elevator button 
because it's electricity, it makes a spark, you're building fire. And so they just let them run all day long. Sabbath day elevators. So they still hold to this, not all, but many. But God wanted the Sabbath to be for our benefit. The rest was not only for the people, but for their servants, their animals, the strangers who dwelt among them. God gave himself as an example, referring to the week of creation and how he rested on the seventh day. As the Bible tells us in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, and thus the heavens and the earth and all the host in them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because he had rested from all the work which God had created and made. And Jesus, he even told the religious rulers when they tried to complain to him about his disciples for harvesting on the Sabbath day, harvesting, they were picking the kernels of wheat that they could chew on them. They weren't harvesting, they were getting a snack. But to the Jewish mind, the Orthodox Jew, they were harvesting because when they picked the grains of wheat, they would rub them in their hand, they would blow away the chaff that they could get to the kernels, and that was work to them. But Jesus responded, Mark 2, 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not to be a day of traditions and obligations and burdens. It was to be a day of rest, refreshing, and worship. So the first four commandments dealt with man's relationship with God, the first table of the law. The second table of the law deals with man's relationship with one another. And we pick up in verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And the first commandment of the second tablet deals with children giving honor to their moms and their dads having a good relationship with others begins in the home why do you think in our society today that they are trying to break down the home but this commandment comes with a promise a twofold promise that says first of all that you may be well with you it's always good to obey mom and dad. It's always good when you're a child to obey mom and dad, even when you're an adult, to listen to their counsel. Number one, that it may be well with you. Number two, that you may live long upon the earth. Now, I'll just say that this was a conditional promise that God gave to the children of Israel in the Old Testament and is not necessarily transferable to life under the new covenant there's no guarantee that we'll have a long life upon this earth. We've known many people, many good people who have died way too young. But it's not a result of disobeying their parents. More so, I would say it's a result of living in the fallen world that we find ourselves in. Psalm 128.1 and 2 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways 
When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it will be well with you. To walk in the ways of the Lord, to honor mom and dad. It is good for children to honor their parents. So we thank you, Father, for this word that you've given us tonight. There's a lot to learn. But Lord, may we desire to draw near to you. The people of Israel at this time, Lord, they were afraid. They were unwilling to draw near. They wanted a liaison to go between them. And all of that generation except for two would not enter the promised land. Help us, Lord, to be a people who desire to draw near. Help us to be a people, Lord, who desire to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves, that, Lord, we can walk in your ways, that we might be that holy generation, a royal priesthood, your own special people, that we might represent you before others. For in our world, Lord, the need is great. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us this night, that we might walk in your ways. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.